Good evening and welcome to a woefully unprepared Rolling Ball podcast, the Leicester Tigers fans podcast, that has been swept away with pre-holiday work to the extent I have absolutely no notes at all for my intro and so you're going to be relying on me ad-libbing. There's going to be a distinct lack of humour and probably even worse chat than normal, but I am saved by the saving grace that is Elliot who is with me. Mate, how are you? I'm good, thank you. It's uh, worrying that I'm used as the uh, uh, parachute or safety net in this instance. Because <laughs> if I to use this analogy, if I'm the parachute, there's holes in it. So uh, <laughs> at your own risk, do so. I love the confidence we have in ourselves for this podcast. It's been going for 30 episodes now, and we're still very, very much aware that this is an amateur operation, as I'm sure everyone <laughs> is who listens to it. Look, uh, we've got. Quite a lot to talk about, of course. We've got the home game against London Irish. Very, very fun game you were there. We'll get onto that in a minute. We've got the Premiership Cup kicking off again, which I think is more interesting this year because we've got such a an elevated academy interest in it and lots of peripheral players who are all chump, uh, who are all champing out the bit to try and get an opportunity. And of course, there's just been a few little, little things in the news that have crept up over the last 24, 48 hours, aren't there? Yes, ever since Saturday's game, there's been a couple of things online, offline, and to do with the club. So um, a couple of little bits and pieces to maybe... Uh... Yeah, nothing significant though, is there? No, not at all, not at all. Nothing making the national press. Well, look, we'll get to that in a short while. We're also, of course, going to talk about the number five shirt for Elliot's imports. That's quite an interesting one. And we're going to be looking at blindside flankers. And I think the competition is going to start hotting up. Uh, as always... If you want to get in touch with us, please do so. I'm going to give a quick shout-out at this point. Again, Wiki Tiger, who has sent us a wonderful essay and breakdown of the London Irish game and his thought processes behind it. Wiki, mate, I'd love to go through it in explicit detail, but you'd be doing our job for us. You should put a blog out or something of this because it's really, really good. It's really detailed. And Elliot, let me tell you, there is a distinct lack of good Leicester-focused sporting blogs out there. Brilliant. Mm. <laughs> I can't read it because it's, it probably is much better than mine. So therefore, I just get insanely jealous and lock the laptop out the window. So uh, that's why I just don't look in the, I don't look in our emails anymore. Oh, I see. I see. I, I just thought it's because you signed up to too many of the scams already. You were having to take a step back. Well, I, yeah, I haven't told you. I'm actually yet now a billionaire. So uh, sorry. About just that. waiting for the money to come through, are we? Yeah, good. Mate, but, that's it. Obviously, I am joking. Elliot's uh, view from LE2 blog is excellent. Do check it out if you haven't already. And if you would like to get in touch with us, our handle on Twitter is at RollingMallPod and our email address is therollingmall at outlook.com. And this is going to be the first time I'll admit I've got that right the very first time without anything written down in front of me because I always get it mixed up. So well done, mate. I mean, it's only 30 episodes in. Yeah, exactly. Take one. Brilliant. Boom. Done. Professional. Right. Right then, on with the news section that makes an, well, I was about to say welcome comeback, but probably an unwelcome comeback, really, given the circumstances of the news and the type of news that we're having to report. So first up, just out today, is news of that old friend of ours, the salary cap investigation. And we've got a little bit of, uh, well, there's been a club statement on it, hasn't there? Yes, the... um... Not only the club statements, the, the, the premiership statements as, as well. The uh, the matter is concluded. Exactly. And I think the big headline point as far as we're concerned is, yes, there's been a breach. Yes, it's disappointing. Yes, it's historic. 
But if we're going to be quite cold and looking about how it affects the current lot, it doesn't, apart from the financial aspect of a uh, fine just over £300,000, there's not going to be any points deductions. And if we're going to be a little bit, uh, if we're going to be a little bit smug, it was something that we anticipated when we were first reporting on this, weren't we? We did sort of try and pull lots of different threads together, and this is effectively what we thought the outcome may be, a reasonably sized fine, but nowhere near the scale that Saracens were at. Yeah, totally. And it, 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 I'm glad that the matter's now concluded, and I'm glad that the matter has now come to a closure. And I'm glad it's come to a closure now, not towards the end of the season, because that would have been an unhealthy distraction. The fact it's come out now, we're in March, we've still got a lot of rugby still to be played before uh, we'll go well on summer. So it, it's good that it's been sorted now. And I think the fact it's, you know, it's only been a 10, 11 week sort of process probably tells you that um, it's been a clean process and we've, you know, we've cooperated all the way through. That's obviously helpful. Um, so yeah, it, it, I think we can just now draw a line under that whole sort of period in the club's history, really. And I think that brings closure on that rather sorry chapter of um, of Tigers. And I think we can all start afresh and, and move forward with it all being resolved. So it is disappointing, but like we've always said throughout, it's never been a... It's it's quite clearly two, uh, a different situation to the Saris situation. And... Um, despite what some people like to tell you on social media. It makes what Steve said ring true, doesn't it? In that the club was beset by poor on-field management, as we saw with declining results, and in particular off-field management, which obviously would feed into the on-field performance. And this kind of sums it up. I mean, to anyone who hasn't probably had a read of the club's statements, really recommend you do so. But in summary, um, we were found to have breached the salary cap limit in four seasons. So that's 2016, 17, 17 and 18, 18, 19 and 1920. Um, all of those occasions, we'd breach the limit, but not breach what you call an overrun threshold. Federally, this overrun threshold is there to catch, in inverted commas, minor breaches, which is where you may overspend due to mistake, due to misunderstanding, or any other reason, but effectively you don't get a formal charge of a breach of the salary cap. Instead, you get a fine for however many pounds you're over. So for this, it's effectively you get 50%, I think, for the first £200,000 or however it may be. And then and then there's a sliding scale upwards. So effectively, we've been found to... Uh, effectively, sorry, we've been fined £300,000 in total. There is no formal breach charge so it's nowhere near the scale that Saracens are. And of course, that means that it's not pulled it into the same bracket in terms of considering points deductions, because you only get into that sector after you get past that overrun limit. So as far as we're concerned, it's a good chance to close the chapter on it. There are some people who are going to be unhappy. There's been some really shit takes on it. There was one saying, well, if they've breached the rules at all, it should be exactly the same punishment as Saracen. Blah, 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 blah. But <laughs> the, you had this Burke on it said, well, if they're a penny over, they should be relegated. And he said, no, why would you say that? And their response is, well, it's cheating as cheating, isn't it? Well, no, you know, if I go you know, five miles over the speed limit, I'll get a slap on the wrist. If I go 100 miles over the speed limit... I'll be behind bars if I'm not dead. And therefore, it, you've got a sliding scale and it's about your punishment, about how it's done. Now, we don't know. There's nothing in the report. There's no detail about how 
this was done, is there? There's no detail. I mean, it was payments of third-party image rights companies. We know that, but we don't know if it was a bit of a whoopsie-daisy. We thought this was all fine in a bona fide manner, or was it fast practice, which would be particularly disappointing, but perhaps not altogether surprising. What are your thoughts on that? It wouldn't surprise me if um, we thought it was kosher. It may have been in that sort of murky grey area, and we probably thought uh, it's morally wrong, but legally okay. Or um, we had that arrogance to assume, yes, it's fine. No, we don't need to double check it. No, we're tigers. We're we're hundred percent on the ball on these things. We're being very clever and good. And I just wondered that was an yeah. attitude I think that we might have had. Yeah, I think it, it all comes down to sort of it just shows you that on all manners of the club, both on and off the field, we weren't at our best, quite clearly. Uh, so this just about sums it up in the fact that we overspent and were shit. So, you know... It does if, really, if, really bite. I mean, I think you said Rugby Inside Line have got very salty about it, haven't they, about the fact we haven't got a heavy punishment. Oh, yeah, he's had six He's had six goes at it. So he's had six tweets plus a retweet. Um, so quite clearly he's taken the news well that we haven't had a points deduction. <laughs> um, so no doubt we'll come back again tomorrow. Uh, the, the reality is... is that, That's a count as a Saints fan, by the way, just to clarify. Yes, and he's quite clearly losing his mind about this season. It's quite funny because he obviously wants a points deduction to put to put things into, into um, context. For um, us to have a points deduction, that would mean Saints overtake Leicester. That would be a 30 points plus deduction. Um, so, you know, hashtag mind the gap if we're going to go <laughs> down that down that route. But, you know, it, it's, it's a, the, the whole five-year period between 2015 and... Steve coming in was a fairly sorry affair for lots of reasons. This is just another um, thing with it. I'm glad it's now sorted and, you know, we can draw a line under it. The whole thing is is quite clearly separate to Saracens. And we've just, I think, under, under a new broom. So I think let's put it behind us and make sure we don't do it again. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can afford to feel quite ashamed by that period in general for some of the things that were done, some of the decisions that were made around targets of business. Not not the players themselves. I'm sure everyone put everyone everyone put everything in on the pitch. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. But in terms of being given the tools to actually perform, which all stems from off-field decisions, you're right and say it was a cascading snowball of shit that's gradually built up and obviously and obviously culminated in this situation that we're faced with now. But I think we can be quite proud of the fact that the club dealt with it very well when it was brought to their attention. It's been a very quick process compared to Saracens. I mean, that's partially down to the fact there's not as much to look at. But as I understand it, we were very, very open. We were quite happy to open the books. Obviously, being a PLC kind of helps. But we were very open about the direction the club's going in now. So we can look at that and say, that was crap. And be proud of where we are now and look forward I think the one thing I would like to add is that we are a PLC so we're fairly open at all times of you know of the year I'd love to know how it got missed for five years in a row and you mean it does beg to question about you know who does the um, you know the viewing of who does our books yeah I mean well I was like you know who verifies the information that we put forward because mm. you know we're a PLC quite clearly we weren't very good at hiding it because we got caught or we've, you know, 
with fessed up and all the rest of it. So it does make you wonder how it's gone on this long without it being noticed. But you know, it has been sorted now. So that's that's the um, that's the thing. I think we. It, it, I did put up a very tongue in tweet, tongue tongue in cheek, <laughs> tongue in tweet. Oh mate, like that. So, something like that. Tongue in cheek tweet saying we should do it all the time because of how much it's um, annoyed the entire league. I mean, quite clearly that's a bit of a joke, but um, it is amusing that um, people can't differentiate the difference. But hey ho, it's all part of the fun. I mean, no, we, people, people don't like us anyway. People yeah. don't like us anyway. Exactly. I'm fed up. It was like when England was. You know the nice guys under Stuart Lancaster for a while. They worked really hard to make England likable. Nah, it's not in the DNA. People want us to be wankers. I say that we embrace that, and that's part of the reason we love the club at the moment. How they're playing on the pitch. There's a lot of nastiness going on in the right kind of nastiness, particularly now Jasper Vies has turned over a new leaf as well. But look, that's one set of uh, news out of the way. Moving on to the other, and this was something that I think had been brewing a little bit, perhaps off the back of a really emotional interview, I thought, with Namani, yes. with Adam Whitty, uh, friend of the podcast, we're allowed to say that now, uh, <laughs> B- BBC sport uh, correspondent, lovely guy, and he did a fantastic interview uh, with Nemzi after the game against London Irish. And what was particularly emotional about it was that he hadn't seen his mum, I think, for quite a long time. This was only the fourth game she'd come to watch and it was obvious how much he misses her and how much it meant to play in front of her. And he's played all over the world, you know, now, and he's been away from home, I suppose, if you think of it that way, for a hell of a long time. And it made a lot of people, I think, start to wonder, particularly, I think there'd been a few thoughts with the Fijian side, Fijian Drua in the Super Rugby, which is a great, great step forward for them coming in. You just wondered if there'd be a temptation to come home. and then. Neil Fister, as I call him. I mean, uh, as typos or autocorrects go, Fister is one of the funniest things. I, I the child in me, I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. When we were messaging, so it's Neil Fister, the correspondent for the rugby paper, and we got a bit annoyed because he put out something to say that he's effectively Nadolo is effectively going back to Australia and he's going to play for one of the clubs there or for one of the Super Rugby franchises. And in a moment of anger, I changed his name to Fister. It wasn't autocorrect because that would imply that it's something I regularly use in my phone. And I have to put it out there that that's not the case at all. So that was a deliberate one. But Nemzi then got hold of him, didn't he? And he wasn't particularly happy. Yes. I mean, the uh, order tweets now have gone. So, which is probably for the best. Um, the first tweet calling him out, I think, was fine. It was quite funny. The second tweet... Yeah, he, he just, to clarify, just to clarify, he people who aren't on Twitter, he called uh, Neil Fissler out for talking bullshit, where do you get your sources from, etc., etc. Yeah, so the first one, calling it out, I think was funny and was acceptable. The follow-up to that, I think was okay. The third one, the fourth one, the fifth <laughs> one, the sixth one, and I think the seventh one, with numerous expletives and other bits and pieces going on in there, um, I think did cross the line. and. I, don't, I think we. I think the lesson is, you know, I think we've all done and said things on social media that we um, all regret. We all wake up sometimes in the morning and look at the uh, at, your, at your account and go, "Oh, might, that's a bit strong. Might have to delete a couple there." Uh, um, I remember a particular time when I DM'd my way into uh, a, a podcast with uh, somebody else on Twitter 
Never got, <laughs> yeah, never I, turned back from that. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean, the fact you actually kept on going with this, this all came from just too like, polite to say sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, this, I regret messaging you. <laughs> yeah, this is everyone that we just this is just turned into a, an unhappy accident where we're 30 episodes. It's in. like, it's like my wife, uh, she um made the point that effectively uh, I'm a rebound because when we started going out, she'd just be broken up. She was just looking for someone to get back at her, her ex with. And it was always a joke that was made at my wedding. I was like, I don't care. I'm still here now. So it doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter to me. Um, but yeah, I think... The point been... being, the, t- the, t- the tweets did escalate. Yes. And over a two-hour period, it got slightly more more worse. Um, I'm glad, obviously, Namani's now apologised. Him and Fizzler have sort of done a, a social media handshake and a bit of a loving, which is which is great. Um I think Namani was out of order and fundamentally Fizzler didn't really do anything wrong in my book because, you know, he is a gossip columnist. It's his job to put bits and pieces into his um, column. You may not think it's a high standard of journalism, but it's an honest way of making a living and there's worse ways of making a living. Clearly he's had a tip off um, from someone credible What's he going to do? Not put it in? You know, he's got a tip off. He's put it in his column. I can understand Namani's frustration. Um, whether it's true or not, doesn't really matter. Um, I don't think you can go, I don't think it's appropriate for our players to be reacting like that on social media. So the, the right thing has happened. The tweets have been deleted. Everyone's shook hands and apologised. Um, yes, it, it, we've, we've all been there. So um, <laughs> uh, I'm just remembering some of the lines that I put out during um, pa- uh, Pat Lamb Scrum Gate that were quite punchy to the point. But I mean, I, I have to admit, you know, I'm a little bit sweary and a couple of people on the forum have called me out for it, which is fair enough. I'll try and watch my language a bit. But even some of Namani's treat, some of Namani's tweets made me blush. Uh, even we don't go as far fun. as dropping a C bomb on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even we draw the line and go. We? Exactly. But I mean, no, <laughs> even even we don't go you're, far. You're, you're fundamentally right because Fissler is a bit of an odious thumb, but he hadn't really done too much wrong. But I really like what you said before we start, clicked record, which was somebody shaking Steve Borthwick awake, you know, <laughs> at 11 o'clock, going, Steve, Steve, Nemani's losing it on Twitter. Eh, what's Twitter? what's Twitter and what's it got to do with me and I was, it, we did joke about this, uh, the, the Keystone Cops and Thelma Louise of Steve and uh, Bondi turning up at Melton Mowbray knocking on Jarvis. the Marnie's yeah banging on the door give us your phone door. give us your phone them, give us your phone <laughs> no coach no I'm not doing it mate I'm not doing it <laughs> oh come on Mamsie be reasonable mate that's Bondi that's my impression of Bondi yeah, there, there is a, it's, it's the same as my impression of as Eddie Jones. <laughs> yeah, there, there, we did have this. Uh, we we have we we created an image of Thelma Louise of um, yeah Bondi Steve having to do a trek up to uh, Melton Mowbray and to basically Steve wrestle Namani to get the phone off him as the only way to stop him tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> well, either way, look, all all done now. All water under the bridge. Hopefully, does leave the question in the air about his future he seemed to very aggressively deny it but there could have been more of a frustration I think at perhaps how this news was leaked I think the bottom line as far as I'm concerned is and I'm flying to Australia tomorrow to see my wife's family and she hasn't seen her family for 
uh, over two years. She's got two nephews over there she hasn't met. Um, and they haven't seen my son since he was two months old. And he's he's now a boy. They've missed him being a baby. And of course, I don't want to get as emotional as Nemzi did, but I'll just put it out of the pod because I sometimes joke about my wife, but she's absolutely incredible that she's managed to stay very, so strong during this time. And that pull of going back there is very, very strong. And so I've got absolutely no doubt that there would be a strong pull for him to go back. But if he did decide to go, again, for the right reasons, the world's changed now. You know, people are, you know, wanting to be close to the people they love. And I think that he would go with all of our best wishes and more. And I find it hard to recall a player that had such a huge impact physically on the pitch and emotionally off it, who has that connection with fans. He is, um, we're obviously going through your import 15. You know, he's only been here for a couple of seasons, but I tell you what, I, I think there may be an 11, a very, very large 11 shirt that's going to be a bit of a scrap between him and Mr. Tuilagi, who was here for so long. So, I mean, uh, you know, we don't know really on that rumour, but we, we wouldn't want to either, I don't think, say anything on it. Yeah, totally. I think if you look at, um, I think all of us have probably accepted that whether it's this summer or next summer, he will end up going back home in, in some shape or form, especially with World Cup around the corner. Super Rugby have now got a, a, a Pacific Islanders team. They've got Fiji, a Drew, as we know. So I think, that you know, there's a lot of things that, that sort of is going to pull him back. Um, and you're quite right. You know, we, we all make we'll talk about players and we discuss it and we chat about them in the pubs and at the ground and stuff like that. But ultimately they're human beings. They're the same, they have the same emotions and the same feelings and the same issues that um, all of us have in our own personal lives. And quite clearly um, family is important to both to, to us as, you know, as fans and to, to him as a player. So, you know, it follows in the steps of Ford, you know, a lot of people may Again, through spurious things at the club, the reality is Ford, Mank lad, going up to a Manchester club. Genji, Bristol lad, going back to Bristol. Namani, Australian boy, probably going back to that side of the world. So, you know, it's only natural that these lads want to go back and 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 go back to where they come from and, and play close to the family and have that sort of ties around them. So, you know, he has been brilliant for us and he's, he's come into the club I think he's brought wholeheartedly into what Leicester's all about, both as us as a fan base and what the club is and uh, what it stands for and what we are. And he gets it. I think he's completely got it. I think he's brought a leadership thing um, mm. to the group. Looking at his statistics, I think it's 14 tries now in about 30 appearances. So that's a pretty good going. Uh, Almost as good to... as hookers these days. I know. I mean, it is a pretty spectacular thing. Um so I think, you know, there's a shot for him for Colt Corner. Um, there's a shot for him. He's imports. too big for Colt Corner. Well, I mean, that's a separate debate. But, you know, there's a shot for him potentially at Colt Corner. There's a shot definitely for the import 15. You know, there's only two ways I can think of to maybe get round it. It's just to try and um, basically bring his entire family and put them into a mega house on Saffron Lane. I'm not sure <laughs> this, the, um, I think, under salary cap was probably going to breach it somewhere. So that's probably a bit close to the bones. We can't do anything there. I'm not sure on the commute from Australia to Leicester. I think that might be a little bit too much. So, you know, I can't think of a way around it. So, sadly, if he does go, I mean, Marley's been brilliant for us. And, you mm. know, 
he quite clearly goes back with all of our best wishes because he's been super, yeah, superb. Be a, yeah, as you say, a tiger for life would always have a uh, a seat or probably two to accommodate him for whenever he wants to come back. And I'm sure he will, hopefully, even if he does make an appearance coming back in a few years travelling because he's a, a top, top bloke and a, a top ambassador of the club. But we'll leave that there and see see where it leads us. But let's very, very quickly uh, do a quick tiger watch of the guys who played for England at the weekend. <laughs> um, it didn't quite go to plan for England, did it, after... I think, actually, whilst Yules was sent off on 82 seconds, I think he put the hit in in under a minute. And uh, it, I thought, actually, weirdly, it galvanised the team. And they played superbly well. And uh, I thought, well, let's start with Genji. What an astonishing coming-of-age performance that was. That was so bittersweet in seeing him do what we know he's capable of, feeling so proud of him for doing it, and then thinking, ah, fuck, he's going to be doing that to us next season. It was uh, bittersweet, I think, is the most... And you do, you comment, you did text me on Sunday saying a similar sort of word. And you do go, um, it's the most accurate word there is because he was absolutely superb. And on that performance, you know, you, without... You don't want to be too hyperbolic over these sort of things, but that was genuinely a top-class loosehead performance. You know, the, I thought... Top, top three in the world performance, that Yeah, was. That, that, you know... You joke about world class and is it bands around too often? But that, that, if that in isolation, that eighty minutes or sixty-five minutes from Genji was on the pitch was genuinely so so good that you have to sort of have that phrase um, attached to him because he was absolutely brilliant. No many, not many people, and certainly not many props go through Tad Furlong like he just tag like on did. toast, baby. Absolutely finished him, um, had him on toast and spat him back out, and he was brilliant. And it is. An absolute nightmare. And you go, oh, I'd love this for another five, six years at Leicester. Could he, mm. We could win everything. You go, oh, God, he's going. Don't and do he's, it. He's, he's, going papal, he's going to Papa Lamb out of everyone. Uh, but look, we, what I really liked about it afterwards was you had the usual moaning about nobody knows what's going on in the scrum. They said, oh, they were wheeling it. They were wheeling it. Nonsense. If you look at the first step Furlong takes every time, it's back. He is. He can't deal with the fact Genji is underneath him and Genji twists him and then drives through him. And when... Furlong's under pressure, he has to step in. And as soon as he goes, effectively starts facing at not quite a straight angle, Genji's leg drive and strength was just unbelievable. I thought it was a superb display. He should have gone on a Lions tour. I think Furlong's a superb prop. I don't think that was an accurate reflection of how good a tight head prop he is. Every prop has a bad day at the office. You all have them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, you know, we've seen great props go to pieces. I remember Coley against Heyman, I think it was, for too long. Was it Cole Heyman went play for him? And we thought, well, that's, Coley was quite young still. I thought Coley absolutely marmalised him. And, you know, that's not a reflection on Heyman. It's just a reflection of the day on the office. So that being said, what an astonishing performance by Ellis. And he was, as usual, really good around the pitch. And that hit on Josh van der Fleer. Oh, my God. I mean, like Twickenham, I, I did a boring tweet thread about it. This is what people want. People want grit and aggression. Not so much about running exciting rugby. People want backs against the wall, shithousery, and Ellis delivered that in spades. I thought he was monumental. And I thought the other guys played pretty well as well. You know, I think that Stewart at the back had a really good game. Didn't get any chance in attack just because of the way the game panned out. But defensively, he was really good. Really good battle with him and Keenan. I think Keenan probably shades it because he <laughs> saw a lot more of the ball in attack and he did 
skin Freddie once, I think, uh, on a kick return. Then again, Freddie did then uh, strip the ball off him on a high ball. So, you know, I thought that was really good to see those two guys going up against each other, potentially two Lions fullbacks as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of those things with um, we sat this game is that the reality is it's hard to judge the game and the performance because within a minute, the whole thing's out the window. So you all you have to do is sort of doing the context. Game of plan's the game. gone. Yeah, I mean it, it's you know what do you do. And I'm sure I don't think it's on the first bullet point of what they talked about in the week. You know, let's get let's get a man sent off and 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 do it that way. So it's hard to sort of judge. In the round as such, but you look in the context of the game. I thought Freddie did did okay, and I think the game plan actually what England reverted to was of quite a simple kick chase forward orientated game plan. Probably suited Freddie because basically what he does at Leicester. Yeah. Therefore, you know it's it's just doing it on a white shirt with with a bigger audience. So I think it suited him. I think there was one maybe two um, drop ball. I think there's only so there was a couple of things there, but I think otherwise. In a tough game like that, where you know he acquitted himself really well, and he's still you know twenty twenty one, so he's still in his seventh or eighth game at international level, he's finding his feet, and this is an unbelievable learning opportunity for him, and an unbelievable learning thing ticked off because you know seventy nine minutes in a losing effort, but with fourteen men, I think is a um, he'll have learned more from that game probably than I think he'll have learned from others purely because you're under the cosh so much. And it is pure backs to the wall. You really can't afford to make too many errors, sort of thing. And you've almost got to. England had to be on their A game just to just to stay, not even just on their A game. To be fair, they had to be over their A game just to stay within sort of limits of keeping the, the scoreline respectable. And effectively, they really dragged Ireland into a, into a, a bit of a scrap. And to be part of that, and Jamie George mentioned about how proud he was and how much he sort of loved being a part of it. And you sort of noticed that the boys, I think. All of them have, have sort of in their own little way in, on social media sort of felt something that afternoon where, you know, Band of Brothers, we've had to dig in, we've gone through something. And I think all of them, and that's Jamie George saying stuff like that, and he's a veteran of so many games. And yet Freddie Stewart's at the start of his international career and he'll have, he'll have learned a lot from that. And he'll come out of that, I think, a bigger and better player because it's a... It's, it was a special afternoon in a weird sort of way because even though we yeah, lost, we still quite, got pumped, but it was yeah, we got actually you know, pummeled. Yeah. yeah, but we got pummeled. But for sixty minutes, we were we were pretty good. Yeah, and I think uh, nice easy game this weekend as well to put it right. Way against the French. Well, this is it. I mean, you know, and Dupont, and also shout out to um, Youngzi because he came off the bench, and um, I think Youngzi again acquitted himself. Yeah, a really well. good impact. I thought. I thought Randall it wasn't the right game for him. Kicking struggled a bit. Young's kicks were on the money, particularly the one he put up for Sex- Sexton to catch with Marrow, who was excellent, yeah. uh, pounding down the wings, pummeling. Anyway, that's the internationals. Let's get into the game against Irish. Okay, on with the podcast and a home win against London Irish, a game which we said at the start, had the potential to be the big, big banana skin covered in Guinness for us to slip over. And we managed to avoid it, didn't we? And it was a pretty fun game, if not the best all-round performance. I think lots of players came out and said there were things they were disappointed with. But it was a pretty fun performance to watch by both teams, credit to them. 
Yeah, I mean, similar sort of England, but not quite as dramatic as I don't think conceding a try in the first couple of minutes was as part of the game plan. Certainly, certainly not in both halves as well. But I think it is funny how they. I watched the game back, and what struck me was that I didn't think it was a bad performance. It certainly won't go down as one of Tiger's best, better performance. It was somewhere in the middle where they actually did quite a lot of good stuff. And it, that shouldn't be forgotten. I know the red card obviously happened. That puts a skew on things. But actually, if you take away the red card, Tigers actually did do a real load of real good stuff and played some really nice rugby. And I think the red card probably just made the result more inevitable. But I don't think it was the sole reason we won the game. No, um, I think we'd have won with a bonus point in any event. Agreed. I, I, I think, think we'd have won the comfortably, the but I think we would have probably got that bonus point in the second half. Yes, it just dragged it forward to being on the stroke of half time to get the bonus point rather than in the, mm. the 70th, 75th minute. But, you know, there's a few things which they'll be disappointed by. I think I conceded 28 points at home is a bit of a worry. Um, conceded over 30 last week. Um, Saris conceded another 28 at home. That's a um, bit of a question mark. There's a couple of um, instance of dropping off loose off tackles a couple of loose tries given away but we always said that playing against Irish they're going to come and score tries so um, I take that with a bit of a pinch of salt but yeah it was a fun afternoon I'm glad that the um, it certainly was nice to walk out of Welford Road and the sun be out and um, it made for a, um, a fun afternoon they are going to score lots of tries under Irish and I think they average over 30 points they average over four tries which is insane and we kept them to three. Yes, they had a red card. The At least two of the tries, I thought, were so sloppy by us that they're such easy fixes. And actually, the very first one was, which then repeated itself at the start of the second half, which was a kick chase. We run up. Nemanja Nandolo, who had an otherwise quiet and unremarkable game. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if sarcasm comes across well on a podcast, but we'll go with it anyway. But he... He chases up, and I've seen us do this a couple of times, not really this season, but last season, where we hound in towards the guy who's catching it, and then all it takes is a step, and they're away. We don't have any sort of backup cover. We've not organised the chase well enough, and that's exactly what happened here. And Irish's fullback, um, Arundel, who's... Well, Arundel, I think that sounds a bit more Lord of the Ringsy, which I quite like. We'll, we'll go with that. And he... You don't have to know too much about him. It was his first premiership start, I believe. But if you've watched even just 10 minutes of England under 20, you will realise that that kid is absolutely rapid. And he got half a yard. He made a break. Crikey, if he could pass and tackle, then, you know, they'd have an absolutely dynamite player on their hands. But he's still very young. You know, he's still got a lot of developing to do. But that got him into a great position. Creevy, lovely offload. You've got to say to Van Rensburg, who's a good player, and they score. And like you say, that wasn't really in the book. And... I just thought that was quite sloppy, a bit lazy, not necessarily just from Nemzi in terms of he just rushed in and left that gap on the outside. But there wasn't any backup then to to watch that step. Yeah, it was, just, it was a culmination of loads of small errors and it, it comes together and it, it causes you an issue where, you know, like you say, if you don't cover, if you don't make your first up tackles, that causes an issue. And it, it's, you know... It's certainly not in the game plan to, 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 to give a try like that away from home. It's almost if, you know, we did the same at home to Saints. It's 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 frustrating. So I think that, like you said, they are easy fixes. Um, it's just frustrating that, that, that we knew what was coming and we almost played into their hands a little bit by just not stopping it and being a bit sharper from, you know, day one, you know, minute one, 
need to be on it against Irish, and yet we're not. But so. we said this when we spoke on Sunday, I think, after the game. This is how sad we are, people, now. We actually talk very regularly about the game to try and get an idea of what we're going to say. But you made a really good analogy to say that it's almost like they needed an alarm clock in this game, one in the first half, one in the second half, to get them playing again. To be fair, after conceding this first one, boy, did they start playing again. And the try came from somebody who had already looked pretty hungry. I think after maybe that first miss, Namani really got the bit between his teeth. And we've said before, guys, not been coming off his wing too much over the last couple of games. See, being a bit quiet, all of a sudden, there he pops off the middle, ball straight off Wigglesworth. <laughs> oh, my God, you could see him coming a mile away, couldn't you? This absolute bowling ball. And I think it was the London Irish prop, Will Goodrick Clark. <laughs> He just doesn't want to know at all. He kind of does this kind of like half shove. And I think he then goes straight through Van Rensburg, through another place with one of the best dives, by the way, we've seen uh, in the Premiership. You know, Chris Ashton, take note. That's what you've got to contend with. How good was that to see? Yeah, it, it's it's such a good tactic. And it, it's almost surprising that for the last few weeks, we've just not seen it. And I mean, it's not as if... Um, we literally haven't made that move at all over the last three or four weeks. It's it's almost as if, have we told him to stay wide? You know, against Northampton, he comes off his wing, he's on the shoulder, he takes the ball at pace, barrels over and he scores two tries in that afternoon. If we then... Gloucester, the he was very wide weeks, against Gloucester, wasn't he? Yeah, for the next sort of three or four weeks, we've, we've come onto this podcast and gone, well, Namani's not even getting the ball. He's not even been told... None of the moves have involved him coming into the midfield. We get to Irish at home. Moves have got are being called where he's on the inside and he's in the middle of the field. Yeah. And he's absolutely battering players. And you go, presumably that's the tactics or whatever has been called. But it, it, it is remarkable. But it is a fantastic try and it is a great tactic to have because it, at 19 stone plus and lightning fast, I can't imagine there's many things I would like least fancy than trying to tackle Nemanja Nadolo in that situation, and yeah, it it it's a great try and it it shows you that tactic. I mean, it was reminiscent. We shook, we did it in the first game at home to Exeter. We just powered yeah, him through. <laughs> That's when he ran at Joe Simmons, wasn't it? And Joe, and Joe Simmons Simmons went. See you later. Yeah, I know, but I felt sorry for Joe Simmons because he had a f- massive flanker. I think he had. Uh, Oh, cracking the guy, the mullet, uh, Don Armand, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, on one side and another big unit on the other. But for some reason, they'd left little Joe Knockney Simmons to, all by himself for Nandolo to go through. And it was exactly the same this time, but he went through some pretty physical opposition, notwithstanding that London Irish prop didn't want to get anywhere near him. He just wasn't interested. And it was a great lift off dive as well. Really loved that. Loved the point up to where his mum was sitting as well. Let's just quickly talk about him a little bit more because I know that you said he came off his wing at a bit we talked about some earlier on in the podcast about the impact he has off the pitch but some of the touches in this game I thought showcased his all-round ability perhaps we didn't see the kicking so much this game but we did see obviously a gorgeous offload for Harry Potter's try didn't we where he went through three players got his arm around the back had time to take his slippers off one of his boots came off I think and Harry Potter goes in for the try and then he scores his second himself in the second half where he Obviously, just gets the ball in a bit of space. Nobody's stopping him there. Uh, and he he steps inside uh, Arundel, who's coming across to make a tackle. 
cool. And this, again, like 19-year-old kid. I said the title probably didn't want to know. Can you remember that when Lomu scored against France? In that famous '99 World Cup, yeah, the turnstile, the turnstile fallback. <laughs> ole, ole, ole! <laughs> it was just come on through, mate. Just come on through. Just, it's like, there's no way Aaron Dillon, his first game, is going to go. I love you, mum, and throw yeah. himself in. To t- to t- there's our debut. I've got a career to think about, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's 19 years old. He's got another 15 years at top level rugby in front of him. He is not putting his head. He in his made a at... sensible judgment decision there, didn't he? That's yeah. one where it, I, I think there's few people that would go. I love you, mom, and put your head into that situation. No. It's just, it's not going to happen. The, I think the game actually showcased a lot of what Naman is about. And you mentioned yeah. about the, the, we didn't see the kick. There was one where he, he tried to volley it on, um, and it went straight out on the on the touch. And if that had stayed in play, and and it had kicked through and stayed in pitch, and he'd allowed to chase it, that would have been hilarious because he, he managed to get his leg up that high to 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 lob, to lob it through. It would have been funny to to have seen that happen. The uh, I thought it was brilliant and I think his pace is almost overlooked because of his power and um, obviously the amount of people that have to mark him. You never really see the pace Namani's got, but his handling skills are brilliant. He has a lovely touch about him and like you say, the dexterity to get for Potter's try to, to keep it in, I think is really, really good. But there's another instant where um, he gets a tap tackle and he loses the ball in contact, which is a massive shame. Because it's a similar sort of situation where again, uh, yeah, I think somebody, yeah, he he was had the ball sort of ready to hold out to offload, wasn't he? And somebody tapped him. And he, in that situation, he's one, he's absolutely blitzed through, so he showed his power. Secondly, he's in broken field, he's he's getting his up to steam again. So he's but he he's two four, he's got two options to him, which is either I'm going to barrel through someone, or I've got the option of offloading. And actually, the problem, he is so quick at times, but when he gets through in that situation, he's almost too quick for the rest of the team. There's almost a danger potentially that he might actually get um, caught on his own because he is, again, you don't actually see it that often, but he is ludicrously quick for a 34-year-old. You know, that is, he's pretty 34 sharp. 34-year-old, 21, 22 stone guy. I mean, he looks slower, I think, than he actually is because he's so big. Yeah. And he, but he eats up a lot of ground when he runs, and you know he, he doesn't have to be lightning. You know his pickup speed is never going to be great, but I loved what he brought to the game. Real, real passion for it, real hunger, and I thought he very much set the standard. I loved the reaction he got from the terrace when he walked back after the um, after scoring his second try. He walked back, and obviously he was pointing up at his mum, but the, the terrace really got on their well they're already on their feet but they really really let him know how they felt I mean you were there did it feel like this guy's being a bit of a hero oh absolutely and we shout out to everyone who was on that side of the terrace and that's that's the one towards the old Alliance and Leicester end I won't call it what the news stand is it's the Alliance and Leicester end for me nobody Um, knows what it's called it's just Alliance and Leicester Um, as he was making his way back who all that was stood on that side of the terrace to a man did go into oh no money no dole. so we've finally done it we've yeah we've got a chance done. we have a chance but it's not um the usual suspects so we're up and running we're up and running it's great it's basic but it's a start we'll live with that hey small steps small, small steps, steps right now yeah. we're not gonna it's it's great things have off. small beginnings well this is it we're, we're a long way off a full-blown anthem but you know it was good and i think again it shows that connection he's got with the crowd Okay, let's move away from this gushing praise of Namani, although it is absolutely or entirely justified. 
one of the interesting selections was in the 13 shirt. We saw Dan Kelly come back to his number 12 shirt because it is his number 12 shirt now. And we had Matt Scott starting at outside centre. And we had Maroney on the bench, who then came on at outside centre. All of a sudden, that 13 shirt, no Guy Porter, I don't know if he's injured or just having a rest. Perhaps he's slightly nervous. I might know where he is if he's playing, so he needs to hide from me. But um, that depth in the 13 shirt now is looking absolutely brilliant. And I thought both Matt Scott and Maroney, we said last week, I think you said Rolls-Royce centres. We saw it again on Saturday. Matt Scott's intercept. I don't think I've ever more quickly gone from, oh, no, to brilliant <laughs> within like half a second. Because when he taps it up, you're like, oh, that's a yellow and he's gone, isn't it? And it was actually a lovely intercept. One of those ones where perhaps if he doesn't catch it, he might be in a bit of trouble for a deliberate knock-on. But yeah, he flicks absolutely. it up in the air, catches it. Lovely vision, wasn't it? I think it shows so many things. It's before going into that, it's quite funny because Carl Dixon, I think, was reaching for the for his pocket. Um, whilst we were all going, oh no, Dixon's got his hand in his pocket. Um, and <laughs> can't, then has to can't go, yellow him quick enough, can he? And, yeah, and then, then, then he has to sort of go, no, it's fine, it's fine. It's an it showcases quite a lot of things with Scotty because one, it's an awareness of reading the play, and it shows his rugby intelligence as a centre. It shows you his turn of pace to obviously finish the try off. And it also shows the unbelievable skill because one, just to flick it up. Secondly, to get it. I mean, that's, you know, we talked about... He had about, to stretch his legs to get there, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, you talk about why it was quite an amazing try because you see everyone gnaws that up. Everyone tries that thing of flicking it up and I'll catch it. No one ever gets it right in the moment. That's why there's so many yellow cards. So for him to actually attempt it and to carry it out, I think it's brilliant. Um, the centre position we have now is a really entertaining one. But it also begs questions obviously with next year because obviously Scotty and Guy Porter have signed uh, new deals. Maroney is the one where there's question marks over is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Um, Maroney comes off the bench and in his 20-minute, 25-minute cameo, I think the mm. game showed mm. what he's all about. I mean, that offload to, to oh. is... We'll That's what I wanted to talk about. The, we'll, he's we'll, not a big guy, but he, he gets on the outside, draws two players in, and just, you know, beautiful little basketball-like pop over the top. It's that awareness to do something a bit different, handle the ball a bit differently, and the sheer class to do it, I thought, was gorgeous. I mean, he's a, such a fine player, isn't he? He is, and he's also intelligent. You know, he bags a penalty against um, Arundel just by trying to take a free he's not he doesn't want to take a free uh, throw but makes it so obvious that he wants to do it that he bags a penalty yeah. and I mean again it's little bits and pieces like that where you go actually he's really clever he knows what he's doing and you know and defensively he is an aggressive piece of work isn't he, he he's is. not the biggest guy but I love he puts he puts one on people doesn't he he lets people know that he's there oh totally and he is Again, he's an Argentinian international and he looks every inch an Argentinian international. He's not one that's coming over and you go, oh, he's got this reputation, he's not there. Oh, he's a, he's probably over and above his reputation. He's that good. It does worry me because we're almost going to be a victim, I think, of our own success. Yeah. Where Scotty's brilliant, Guy Porter's brilliant in the 13 shirt. And who's going it's, to be on the bigger wedge out of who's, those three? Yeah, have we got the room for him? We all know we're going to have to make some sacrifices here and there. It, it might be that Moroni makes the cut because if you are making a decision, you go, well, you know what? 
at the start of the season, first choice is Moroni, second choice is Scotty, third choice is Guy Porter. You know, actually, there's not a lot of difference now between the three of them. Three into two, does it go? I don't know. Guy Porter's I think as well, if you're looking, good at, a player. you're looking at your money ball arguments, getting the value for money. I'm not saying that Moroni isn't worth whatever he's on, because I think he's fantastic. But if you can get almost the same output, but for a lot less cash, which might be the case, you know, he's an established current Argentina international who's at the prime of his game. Matt Scott won't be cheap as chips, neither will Guy Porter, but both of them are on different scales, I think, just because of where they were. You know, Matt Scott very much was almost on the way out to considering giving up the game when he came to Tigers. Guy Porter came from nowhere. So they're both on different scales to, you know, an established, excellent international class centre like Moroni is. But, you know, that he, his class, I think, is something that we need to appreciate whilst it's here. Hopefully he will stay because we've got to remember he's also an international winger. So he can also cover that position. And I know that we have some good wingers, but if if Nemani is off, you know, it's something to think about. I was just about to make that point, is that when you draw up a salary cap and obviously when you draw up a squad to fill that, you have to look at your overall squad. And if, you know, let's say the rumours are true about Nemani, um, that might create possibility for us to keep keep Moroni in and the, what uses the wider resources. Um, so it's something to bear in mind. But, you know, look, fundamentally, Moroni is a class player and has been a class signing for us. And, to watch him play is an absolute delight because his game on um, Saturday was brilliant. Scotty, I thought, had an excellent game against Saris and backed mm. it up again um, against London Irish. And it just shows you what he's all about. So, yeah, it was. Um, I was glad Scotty got his try because I think he um, it's recognition of his um, of his good work that he does. I mean, R13s did an excellent performance. Their <laughs> uh, 13, not so much. Curtis Rowan, a great player, great athlete. Great name. Uh, Great name, Curtis. The uh, but he then puts on a high shot on a marauding Jasper Visa. Jasper, another another one to mark in the eight out of ten club again. Superb all round performance, dynamic. Gets a kick return going from a really crap kick from Jackson, actually, which is quite nice to see. And he goes ahead. At first, I thought the high tackle was from Tuasui, the number eight, because he was quite close to getting over his shoulder. But on the replay, it showed actually it was a good shot just the right side of being legal. But my goodness, Rona, what are you doing, man? And he just, he doesn't even rap. He just drops his shoulder. And there was a camera angle from behind Visa. So, and you can see Rona's face. He goes, I'm going to put one on him here. And he gets it so wrong and just smashes him in the jaw. I mean, for me, it's such a clear red. It's the reddest of the reds. And I don't think there's any debate. Yeah, on, it's like on the you know when you go to Dulux and you get the paint chart, you know that like scales of red. You it's know. it's so red, like he he might as well have been on fire. It was <laughs> so red. I mean, it the, the, where the tackle took place is literally. I'm in, I'm literally in line with the tackle, so I couldn't actually see it so, because obviously I've got the defensive line all along me, so I couldn't. You can't pick it, but it's it it, show, it shows you what Jasper's actually all about because. He hasn't bought a red card. That's the wrong way of doing it. But because of how he runs and the power and the danger he brings ball in hand is it takes a quite a lot to stop him. And in this instance, it took a quite a clear illegal shot to, to, to hit him back. And what was also a small point, he got up literally 
five seconds later and trucked it up, oh, which is unbelievable. Say, did, did you see it? Because he, he was there going, oh, my chin, it was absolutely whacked me. And then you kind of saw him almost catch himself saying, are you feeling sorry? His inner monologue was kind of saying, are you feeling sorry for yourself, Jasper? Get up off the floor and run into someone again. And he just gets up, grabs the like, vote, and said, he, it, like with a scowl on his face. I thought, my goodness, the, the stones on that man are absolute granite. I mean, if we want to talk about who's the hardest at Tigers, that goes a long way to show that Jasper's probably My number eight's tougher than your number eight. It, I mean, Jasper's absolute nails, mate. The fact he gets absolutely pummeled like that and then still takes it on literally two seconds later. But the, the, the shot itself is so obvious a red card. The only danger it's not being given a red card was Carl Dixon. And even Carl Dixon couldn't. Um, yeah, I mean, we fair, actually, Carl Dixon uh, quite a bit. He had an okay game, I thought. I thought... It, the only thing I would probably mention was the offside line, but he was fair to the, on both sides on that. And I thought, again, he's when you listen to him on the um, trying to go through the red card instant, he's actually very calm and very concise, and he's actually very good at going. It's quite literally, he spells it out why it's a red card better than what I could do because he went mm. listed it all, no mitigation. And it's also what I found remarkable is that Rona bounced upwards. You know, not only did he hit him high. He in the impact of the tackle. It was one of the old school rugby league shots, wasn't it? He bounced upwards in the tackle and falls backwards because it's the, the it's like having a car accident where your car bounces up. It's such it gave a, a whiplash tackle. effect, didn't it? I just don't understand. I think you're right in saying cheap shot because I just I cannot understand how he's got it that wrong because it is when it happened in real time or the whole crowd went ooh because it is a big hit. Slow down. It's there's no skill in it. Like anyone can drop the shoulder and throw it into someone's head, you know, all very impressive, hard man. But it was crap. And, you know, their centre partnership, particularly Hepa Team, also has four that kind of ship. And, and yeah, against it was, us. Yeah, last season, wasn't it? I think. And, you know, that, that kind of thing does happen. But look, that kind of made the result inevitable, felt inevitable. Uh, and then we picked up our old friend, Mr. P. Try, made an appearance. Remember, I think, was it when the year we. Came 11th. I think he was our top scorer, Mr. P. Try, because. Certainly weren't any outfield players. Yeah, there weren't any, and certainly no backs were scoring, but, but, you know, penalty tries were the only way we got over the line. But this was, again, I think a fair call. You know, the more was going forward. I, I thought that maybe there was an argument that somebody in the Leicester Tigers side had tripped, but they were going backwards so fast that if a Leicester Tigers player had tripped, they'd probably tripped over an Irish player. So penalty try, yellow card felt fair. But I thought. What followed that, the very end of the second half, start the very end of the first half, beg your pardon, the start of the second half, was 10 minutes of really sloppy play by us. We were 15 against 13 and we lost that period. Yeah, I mean, it is a shame because when you go in at half, it's, it's a strange situation to be in. When you go in at half time, you've got your four tries. We should shout out to Harry Potter for the third try. For the, I know we talked about Nomani's offload, but great... Um, Support play by Harry Potter to, to take that and, and score the try. Um, it is tough to come out in the second half where you're up against 14 men, you've, you're quite far in front and um, you've already got the bonus point because it's not as if you've got something to, to, to aim for. It's the fact that you've just got to be professional for 40 minutes and to try and score some more tries. It is tough, but I don't think there's any excuse in that first five minutes, or well, certainly the first minute, because that was crap. And in the resulting 10 minutes, we weren't at our best, um, quite frankly. And, and you know, no. 
we, we just, we just wasted opportunities. We gave them easy ball. There was trying to throw the ball wide straight away off first phase. We talk about, you know, a game against 14 players, you have to play the long game. But if you're against 30, you can score quite quickly. And you should exploit that at least two to three times, I think, in a 10-minute period if you're playing against 13 players. And the way you do that is by you run your phases. You force them to commit. You force them to make tackles. You force them to jump into breakdowns. And eventually, just numbers will tell, and you're going to have a five on two on one side. It's just the way it will always work. Instead, we kept trying to go wide straight away. Burnsy had a really fine game, I thought, in lots of other ways. I thought this period wasn't so good. I thought he was really keen to get the ball out wide and fling it and put width on it straight away. And that's not the right way you're going to exploit a, a team that's short of two players. So that was a bit disappointing. But in fairness to the boys, they got back on the horse and they scored some lovely tries in that second half. We've already talked about uh, Namani's one. We'll come back to the uh, Chris Ashes one in a minute. But Tommy Raffel scored a lovely, lovely try. Great finish. I think we say he's been to the Guy Porter School of Finishing. Burnsy kicks the ball through. Tommy chases gets the ball down sort of almost behind it because of our ridiculously short dead ball area. I thought we were talking about Tommy, you know, as a defensive player, really good over the ball. I really liked his link play in this game. And a lot of times he appeared in the midfield and acted as a pivot or, or would truck it up himself or pop onto a runner. I thought he had a really fine game. Yeah, it's noticeable the sort of improvement in him in that area and also his support lines where it's almost like I don't know if it's Ashton or just something he's been working on anyway. But, you know, he's it's very noticeable. He's quite often on the shoulder and he's available. Um, like a really old school seven trait that was, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Mickey Skinner kind of thing. Yeah, just, just be there. Just be, just be on the shoulder. And I think, you know, with Tommy, he's not the biggest. So he's not a, a big bustling ball carrying seven. So that area of his game where to be on, to be more mobile and we know what he's like in the turnover department. Um Adding those bits and pieces to your game, I think it's a really good thing for him. And it's a good turn of pace to actually get the try, to be fair. So that shows so. his mo- mobility. Um, and shout out for Freddie, because it's a, it was a lovely weighted kick um, through for him. I thought he'd put too much on it. It kicked up just once, didn't it, for Tommy to get onto it. But I mean, we had an advantage, which is why we'd done it. But I thought the the finish was beautiful. But Freddie had a really sound game managing game. And you've got to remember that, you know, he was thrown into play 15 against Saracens last week. So he's lost a little bit of that groove, but I thought he found it again. Yeah, definitely. I, I thought his um, I thought his kicking game was really good. There was a couple yeah. of nice moments where he just pins Irish back. He spots the space, either chips or long kicks. I really liked the scuttler from a, um, you know, he gets a free kick. So instead of going for the aerial bomb. Oh, yes. He goes for the scuttler, which I thought was a fascinating difference because you almost go... It's Leicester, it's a free kick, a spoil bomb it. But actually to do it in that way and to actually to make it sit up, it's actually just as awkward, if not more awkward, for the 15. Because the ball can do anything in that instance. You know, it's similar to a spiral bomb, but it's in a different challenge for the fullback because it could jump up dramatically and he's got to face the defensive line. So I thought that range of kicking, I thought with Freddie was really good. What I liked also about Freddie, and I mentioned it last week against Saris, is that Ford is a brilliant player and he's had a brilliant season for Tigers. However, there ha- as, as the season's gone on with Ford, it, not quite the tempo's dropped off, but 
he's almost got a bit deeper in himself and the, the, the speed of his passing has maybe dropped off slightly. What I liked about Freddie last week against Saris and was noticeable um, on Saturday against Irish is that one, Freddie was getting close to the line, but he's fizzing the ball, fizzing the ball quite flat as well across the line. And it does allow, there was a couple of times when Namani and Jasper took advantage of that, where they're coming onto the ball at speed mm. and it gets, it allows them to get over the gain line quite quickly. And See, because- I, I agree that with the way Freddie's playing, I don't agree that it's because Ford was going into himself a little bit Oh, no, bit it's more case it was just noticeable that Freddie is, um, it, at the moment, that's just a slight difference in how they're I, playing. I, I think the reason Ford that was doing that was because Freddie's only doing that when he's got front football and he's playing faster and attacking. And if you remember the times when we were sort of falling apart a little bit, my view is, is that that's because, you know, against Wasps, we weren't really getting the go forward we needed and Ford was slower, noticeably slower on that game with his attack. And I think that's just the byproduct of the team as a whole not functioning. But I do completely agree when Freddie's on form, he probably actually is a faster passer of the ball than Ford is. Yeah, it's just something I think, actually, it's a, it was a nice um, tempo that Freddie was playing at at the weekend. And I think Freddie's tempo over the, the six, seven weeks that he's been in charge of the 10 shirt, I think he's brought a really nice tempo to, to the game. So it's just something that I've really enjoyed seeing. And, you know, if you're Fordy coming back in, it'd be nice to get, you know, because Fordy's attacking range is so, so good. What was noticeable mm. in, say, that Exeter game at the start of the season was that tempo that Ford was bringing and and using that, um, his range of passing to really bring the attacking into 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 effect. So it's it was just something to um, I really enjoyed and it's something I have enjoyed from Freddie over the last few weeks. Somebody else who got... Uh, was a recipient of a Freddie Burns fizzer was Mr. Chris Ashton. He got the ball nice and wide. I think three players had followed Namani and tried to stop him for a hat trick. And, you know, fair. we talk about good... <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely the correct decision, having seen what, how... Yeah, I mean, in, in, the morning review, the yeah. in the Monday morning review, when the defence goes, why is three of you on the big guy? And you go, I'm not being funny, mate. You've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like, look, you can criticise me all you want, but I am 100% in the right on that one. Like, with Ashton, though, it was interesting because he got the ball and he still had a lot of work to do. And when he got it, I thought, he's not going to make that. Mm. Hell of a finish, though, wasn't it? He? he did a little stop-go to commit the guy and effectively made the defender make try and make a cover tackle. And he just rode it out. I don't know how he stayed in. It was really, really fine play. Disappointed we didn't get a cheesy ass splash. I'm sure actually a lot of old boys on the terrace will probably say, well, that's quite right too. But, uh, you know, it was a wonderful finish and I was pleased to see how well received it was by the players around him. They obviously want him to do well. Yes, it was, I think, first time he's actually had a try scoring opportunity in the, in the, the, the bits and pieces. Someone's passed him the ball in the attack. <laughs> yeah. And then the bits and pieces that he's had so far, he's not really had a chance really in attack to, to see what he can do. So it's great for he actually... Again, it almost encapsulates what he's about. You know, he gets a bit of a half chance. Like you said, there's a lot of work to do when he gets the ball. The ball is over his head. So he's taking the ball, you know, up high. Yeah, he's had um, to stop to get it as well. He's not fizzed onto the ball almost. So like you say, it's really good wing play. And I think it's worth persevering, I think. I think that's a really, a try that shows what Chris Ashton brings to you because it is a bit of a half chance. He finishes it and <laughs> quite comfortably as well. I mean, it made it look very, very straightforward and simple and it like you've just said quite rightly it wasn't um really good try from him and 
I'm pleased that it was noticeable in the ground actually that all the players went up to him and and well received it. And he was well received in the crowd as well. Good. There was no um I think everyone was pleased for him. And I think they I think everyone knows that he's here one to help out Tigers, secondly to help himself, and thirdly, we all know he wants that target. And I think it was no it was quite nice that oh, everyone responded to him. And fair play <laughs> everyone needs a target. So I if he breaks a record score. playing for Tigers, and we can say that the top premiership try scorer in history played for us. But he only scored three tries, it doesn't matter. He's hey, got those tries it. playing for us. He got the key ones playing for us. So that, I thought that was a great finish. Well done, Ashley. Really good to see. And again, lovely to see him in Amani. Dad's army on the wings. Again, that's what we want to see. Annoying they didn't start, though, because every game they start now, they're going to set a new record for being the oldest starting wings in the Premiership. So, so we'll see how we go. But look, we finish again a little bit sloppy. Namani finishes a dreadful game with a yellow card, uh, which was quite funny. I think he was just a bit knackered, to be honest, at that point. And- there is an element of thinking that goes, I fancy an early five minutes here, just knock it on. Yeah, exactly. um, Game's gone. They yeah, then so- score a, uh, a rolling ball, which... You know, we've conceded a few of those recently. Um, maybe something to worry about a bit. I thought actually this one wasn't unlike... Uh, sorry, I think this one was different to the ones we conceded against Saracens in that Saracens, we just got mauled by a very, very good maul that rolled properly. I think this one, we actually splintered them all quite well, but then we went after the wrong pod and the pod that had the ball just went, oh, hang on, nobody's gone for us and, and went over and scored. So, you know, it was... Uh, a disappointing one to concede. It, they'd got a fair few points by the end, so it looked closer than it actually was. Comfortable win. I think, what's the final score by the end? I think the final score was 47-28. 47-28, wasn't it? So seven tries in the bag. Maybe would have been nice to get a uh, uh, get 50 on the board, but you can't have everything. Anyone else stand out for you? Um I think it was across the board. There was a lot of good things. Hanro, he had a good game again. Wellesley um, for me looked good. Yeah, Wellesley. I thought Wellesley was a nice addition back in. We've already mentioned Jasper. Um, I thought he played well. Um, Bryce Hegarty. Yeah, Bryce Hegarty came back. Whitcomb. I thought Whitcomb was solid. Hazy was solid. So I think no. Again, it was actually a pretty good performance. But there's elements in there where you go, well, that's a bit disappointing. But one thing I would say is that. Um, there's maybe a feeling they might have looked a little bit leggy at the end. And I think that's probably acceptable because if you think about it, they've had seven or eight weeks now. You know, we've not had a bye week. So this group has played a lot of rugby together. There's only really been the Saracens game where big changes have been made. But pretty much that 23 that was selected on Saturday, broadly speaking, been the same 23 for the vast majority of the seven weeks. So I'm not surprised really that Maybe this one was one game where it was just like you have to go to the well a little bit, a bit of fatigue set in, and that against Irish, that's that's not particularly a team that you want to be playing when you are feeling a bit heavy legged, especially on Tigers' pitches a bit soft, and that again takes a bit out of you on a um, on a match day. So we will end the Six Nations period. I know we've got Exeter in a couple of weeks where we might have the good boys back. So I think if you look at the true Six Nations period. Seven league games, five wins. I think that's a pretty good return considering if we didn't blow ourselves up away at Sale, we probably should have won that one. And again, it's away at Saris and we made we took a, a pretty young team and we almost we almost did something there. So I think from the, the if you look at that period, I think we've we've got to say we're really happy with it and we've we've come through the storm pretty well. 
Massively, massively. And we do come up to potentially a bit of a break or where I expect we will fully rotate Premiership Rugby Cup. That's the game against Newcastle. We'll preview that in a minute. But well done, boys. Still 12 points clear at the top and looking good for the home semi-final, fingers crossed. Right, before we forget, or maybe we have forgotten them, we've just added this recorded segment in at the end, like the professionals that we are. Three word reviews. Thank you very much. Some really good ones again. We had lots of exciting ones. We'll run through a couple of each. Elliot, you first. Which one's caught your eye? Yeah, so Maverick Marshall, um, Sean, uh, put Nemzi is king, which I think probably sums up the afternoon rather well. And as we said, Namani's afternoon, because I thought it was fairly uh, it was fairly impressive. So he was certainly the king of Welford Road. He certainly was. And on that theme, I quite liked Simon Mepstead saying, how's that, Mum? I mean, he, he was out there to impress his mum and whatever we need to do, whatever his situation is next season, we need to grab her passport and shred it so she can't go home. So she has to stay here and watch him every week. Give her a sweet, give her whatever she wants, because if the money plays at like that, nobody's stopping us. Yeah, I mean, I wish I'd sold the uh, the old house on Denmark Road uh, to, to her <laughs> to, so that she could stay and watch, to be fair. I mean, we'll have to go flat hunting on Saffron Lane for her. Uh, Absolutely. Chris DT11 put diversity in depth, uh, which again shows that we are fully utilising the, uh, the squad and I think that's borne itself out over the Six Nations period, especially on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I, I've actually got a couple. I know I said I was only going to go and do one more, but I have got uh, another couple. A good one was uh, John Kitinski said, sorry if I've not pronounced that correctly, John, feel free to send a recording of how I should say it, but said Montoya's wing audition. Yes. Which is true because we didn't mention that. He obviously got a couple of really sneaky little lineouts where he went galloping down the wing, which looked really, really good. And what I particularly liked was that it evokes horrible memories of when we played Wasps in that European Cup final. They scored two line-out ones. It was nice to see us laying it on someone else for a change. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we had a couple of loose line-outs. So going back to a very straightforward ping it, ping it back and set Julian up the line, I thought it worked quite nicely. What I quite liked about it is that um, he stayed in touch both times. I think that shows the power of the man, that he sort of angled his way in such a way that there was no he way he was going to get bundled. He goes where he wants. Yeah, he's not going to get... He goes where he wants. No, he you're not gonna get if, he, if he doesn't want to go into touch, he ain't going into touch, mate. Yeah, he's, he's going nowhere. But no, I thought it worked quite nicely. And um, I thought as an easy way of getting 20 yards at the pitch, I thought it worked quite nicely both times. Excellent. Have you got another one? No, I think you've got the... Uh, you can oh, I do, one. don't I? Yeah, sorry. Paul Huntington, um, very demanding Paul Huntington, said, I wanted eight. He wanted the eighth try. He wanted 50. Well, Paul, I want my wife to give me a three a free pass with an interested Charlize Theron, and we don't always get what we want. So sorry about that, Paul. But it, it did feel like we perhaps missed an opportunity to go and get 50, but perhaps we're getting a bit greedy with all this success we've been having this year. I would, it's, seven tries was fine. I, well, I wanted 50, but again, we can't always get what we want. You weren't walking out, throwing your slipper on the floor like Namani when he's setting up his tries. You won't get angry. No, not at all. It's hard. To, it's not so long ago. Two years ago, we were uh, going into lockdown 11th and being stuffed. So uh, who am I to complain about 47 points on the board?
I'm about to go on a 24-hour plane journey with my lovely wife and energetic two-year-old toddler. It cannot be as stressful as selecting this Import 15, can it, Elliot? Because there's been some really good names and the vote for the number five shirt was actually quite tight in the end, wasn't it? It was, and to be fair, um, I'm not surprised because if you look at the uh, three names, Fritz van Heerden, Marco Wenzel and Mike Fitzgerald, I think they're three fantastic options. I am. We don't normally get involved in calling the right result or wrong result. You know, um, it's not for us to to get involved in that sort of thing. But I am quite glad that Fritz van Heerden will. I think that was we, a. We we talk about it off air. We tell we talk about when people are being right and being wrong, don't we? Yes, I mean we 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 all we take notice of what gets written. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that Fritz won. Uh, I think that's a um, a good call, and I think that cements a good um, second row partnership with Leo Cullen. I think that's a a really good pairing, and sits oh, behind. That's very good because you've got line out Norse, and then you've got just power Thunderman. And also, around, yeah, if you Man think about, I mean, also front row of Yerza Montoya Castro. Cullen and Van Heerden. Oh my goodness! This like, pack is starting to come together. This is when we meeting, and when we start doing, at some point, what we want to do is obviously we'll finish off the import fifteen. We'll do a great British fifteen, or a homegrown fifteen, yeah, a homegrown fifteen, and put the two together in a sort of battle royale. I I think that front five is is quite. <laughs> you're not you're not you're going to struggle to beat that. I mean, particularly in a scrum, the power going through that scrum. It's going ballast. to be ballast. absolutely insane. My oh, goodness. Very exciting. Excellent. Well, we move on to the sixth shirt, and I, I suspect we've got some pretty meaty candidates for this as well. I was about to say, we do indeed. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, we've one of the current squad um, as well. So uh, the three options we're going, to, um, we're going to have a look at is Steve Maffey, Craig Newby, and Mr. Hanro Liebenberg, current vintage. Ooh, now, two of those guys, I think, were in the Colt Corner mix-up, weren't they? In fact, Steve got the selection, didn't he, in the six shirt? He did. He did. Um, thank you again, Stuart Keane, because he's uh, a reliable source of information. Um, Newby played equal amounts, literally, apparently, uh, equal amounts of six and seven. So for the purposes of what's to come, it's easier for uh, for us to have Craig at six. Um, I think three good options there. I'm always wary of going into recency bias. There um, is definitely recency bias. Yeah, there, there, when we we looked at it in Colt Corner, that there was a lot of recency bias, and I'm wary of doing so again. But I do look at that and sort of lean a little bit to Hanro. But I just wonder if Hanro's got the edge over them. You know, I don't know. I, 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 I wonder if you combined what Steve Matthew and Craig Newby, and I think you basically get Hanro. He's got the one, dexterity and the attacking skill of Steve Maffey. He's got the industry and the defensive power of Craig Newby. Uh, for me, I find it hard to look past Hanro. But the other two are great options as well. Great players. I mean, I look at... I probably lean a little bit towards Hanro for free. The one thing I would say about Craig Newby is obviously he slotted the penalty in the penalty shootout, which for... You know, a flanker. Yeah, he made it look effortless. Certainly, and he, made it and he can play six and seven. I'll tell you what, he plays seven. I reckon better than 
Hanro Hanro so seven. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's fair. But then Steve also is a line out option, and Steve could also slot into the five or four shirt. So there's something to think about there. Line out option. Oh, it's a difficult one. I, I agree with you though. I'm leaning more towards Hannah out of those three, but there's again, I think the other two are great shouts. I'd be very interested. So we're going to put up another three way vote, are we? Yeah, this this will go up um, on Twitter to, for everyone to have a vote on. I'm really quite interested to see where this leans to because I I'm leaning only just to Hanway, and I'm intrigued to see where everyone else goes with it because I think there's quite a tight race there to be had. Um, but then attentions do turn to seven. And oh my seven, that is going to be tight because mm. off air and beforehand we sort of slung around some options between ourselves. That's going to be quite tasty. I mean, we're up to five. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, pretty good gonna, five. We might have to do semi-finals again. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to cut this down. To be honest, um, we might have to do sort of dead certs and and otherwise. But yeah, we're we're up to five. Um, but yeah, I mean, ch- chuck us your seven options. Let's get as many into the mix as possible. Um, and we'll just we'll talk about it next week. But yeah, the pod uh, the vote will go up uh, this week. Chuck, chuck us your seven suggestions, and we'll uh, we'll get on it. Friday night lights, Oop North in Newcastle, and it's back in the Premiership Rugby Cup. What the fuck's going on here? Yeah, it's a bit, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because you go from Prem Cup back into the Premiership, two days later into the Prem Cup, we then have a bye week, and then we're into Europe. So in the next four weeks, we're going to see all three competitions um, come together. I know um, the Prem Cup gets a bit of a, a bad reputation and all the rest of it. I am a bit of a trophy nose. I do love seeing Tigers win trophies. Oh, and I'm more are... interested in it this year. I think now we've got the academy and the, the wider squad who are worth watching. I'm really excited to see who we put out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm quite excited by it because we're, we're two from two. We were looking just before um, beforehand, I think nine points from the two games. We certainly did a job on away at Wasps, which was maybe a bit imbalanced, but you know you can only beat what's in front of you. Um, yeah, so we're on nine points in our pool. Top goes through automatically. Second best, uh, and then there's three pools, and then the best loser um, or the best score coming second in any of those pools will also go through as the fourth semi-finalist. So currently, we're on nine points in our pool. Newcastle are on six behind us. So if we beat Newcastle, it puts us in a very, very good position to qualify for the semi-finals for this, this one. Yeah, because the last game's at home to Irish um, in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah. um, obviously, how all the fixtures are uh, correlated, it is a proper, a proper test of squad. Obviously, the England boys will come back for the Exeter game, whether they play or not, who knows. But we've got an opportunity for um, a lot of lads to get some game time, certainly Friday night. And then on that two-day period, we're going we're gonna to see the squad tested because, you know, it'd be mindlessly stupid to put lads in on the Sunday to then play again on the, on the Tuesday night. So you are going to see 46. Nonsense. I remember when I was 17 year old, you play school rugby on a Saturday and then Sunday you play for my local club. Mate, uh, if you want to go up to the boys and call them all soft asses. Oh, um, you're all big softies. See how they take that. Uh, particularly, uh, as you say my... it from your Australia, say it from the other side of the world in Australia. Yeah, from behind the screen me, when I'm in Australia, no problem at all. 
Um, so who are you most interested in seeing? I mean, it's interesting because the last Premiership Cup round, we were excited because we got to see James Whitcomb and Ollie Chesham get games. Now those guys are, you know, bona fide first choice players. One of those played for bloody England. <laughs> and so those are the guys now that need rests. It's crackers, isn't it? It is absolutely amazing. Ironically, I found the um, the 23 I wrote down back in November for who um, I'd like to see picked for the original set of games. And yeah, in front of me, I wrote down back in November, I'd like to see more of Jimmy Whitcomb and a bit more of Ollie Cheshire. And quite clearly, we have seen more of those. So um, just in terms of, it's pointless trying to predict 23 because it is absolutely because we last time round we also used a couple of lads from Nottingham. They came up. Whether that happens again, with that that might happen just to sort of ease the load on the squad. But in terms of who I'd like to see, I wouldn't mind seeing um, Archie Vaines. I'd like to see him get a bit of game time. Um, someone like Tim Hoyt, if he's um, yes. around, he looks an absolute unit for his young age. Obviously played for England in the twenties as well, so it'd be nice to see him um, get a run out. I'd like to see a Chesham. Uh, this time, Chesham well, The Jr. Lewis variety. Yeah. I want to see Lewis Chesham again. Another one that played England in the 20s. Tom Manns that uh, yeah. was on the bench uh, out in Connacht, who looks an absolute unit. I will mind you. <laughs> I mean, that six... is a very big ginger second row if you had Lewis Chesham and Tom Manns there. Yeah, I mean, um, well, Tom Manns is almost albino because of, you know, so that's a, it's certainly threatening. It's certainly big. It's certainly scary. I wouldn't fancy that. Ilioni. Again, is excelling at the under-20s. I think captained as well. I'd love to see him um, get some game time um, for us. And then looking at so it's, uh, Lancaster, Johnny Law and um, Sam Edwards at nine. I think that would be really good to see them um, get some game time. Maybe Joe Browning, obviously Cusick as well. Out You've got Sam Mackey. Yeah, Sam Mackey's got lots of game time. I'd also like to see a bit of Will Hurd as well. So I'd like to see Will Hurd start at tight head and I'd like to see Tim Hoyt off the bench for the last 20 minutes. So I think looking at the, the squad, it'd be nice to see a bit of game time for a few boys, someone like Kinney at 15, um, Sacchino at 12, just to, <coughs> um, for Lancaster to lean on. We'll probably see someone like uh, Kobus Van Vake, if you can remember what he looks like. He'd, um, he'll probably get some game time. Um, so yeah, I think there's a great opportunity here for some boys, especially the young lads, as they're progressing, as they've progressed over the year. I think like we've, a couple we've mentioned Chesham and Mains, especially at second row, I think would be um, really good, good to see. To, obviously, they've done well at got England under the 20s recognition now. So, well, I mean, again, you basically named a squad there, so there's very few more names for me to go and say in that. So, I, I, no, I think that's absolutely fair. It is exciting. These are all guys who we raise as prospects. It'd be really interesting to see how they go. And, you know, once they get given the green light and they get the backing and get 80 minutes, it'd be very exciting. I agree with you on Tim Hoyt. The guy looks huge. Same with Chesham Jr., Tom Manns. The other interesting one, of course, is that we recently bought in Jansen, didn't we, from New Zealand, who's a number eight, who's apparently a big, aggressive unit. Maybe sort of another diamond in the rough, a bit like Jasper Visa. So maybe we see him get a run as well. And of course, we've got um, uh, Agbonbon, who we signed from Loughborough, I think, didn't we? Who yes. We've seen in a, off the bench in the Premiership Cup. He's still there as well. So again, you know, there's some really exciting options, and I wonder if we might see a uh, a young dynamic trio of Ilioni, 
Jansen and Alec Bongbon in the second row, which I haven't seen a huge amount of them play. But if you're talking about you want athleticism and carrying ability, I think you're going to get a lot of that. I mean, that's a lot of power in your back five. If you've got Cheshire men's and then Ilioni, Agbon Bon and Janssen causing havoc in the back row. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty spectacular... Yeah, a, bit, a bit of pace in there, isn't there? It's something to get excited by. I, look, you know, we've, we've obviously made a big thing all year, quite rightly, of the, the lads who are in and around the first-team squads. And Steve's obviously said the average age is 25. And you know the names, Martin, Stewart, JVP and all the rest of them. We all know how great they are now. It's exciting when you look at these sort of names we've just spent, yeah. mentioned. Move last. over, you guys. We're bored of you now. <laughs> yeah, we want the new stuff. shiny things coming off the conveyor belt. And you look at the names we've just mentioned there, and you go, actually, the future really is bright because they look, you know, to have five in the under 20s is a really good testament to the system that the, the, the club have got. And if you start throwing those into the mix as well, boy, we're going to get exciting over the next 10 years. Absolutely. Well, great place to test themselves. Kingston Park, Friday night. Hopefully it's cold and wet. That's it. Cold, wet night on uh, in Newcastle. That'll put them to the test. Uh, I, I think there's no point in us doing a prediction because we don't know what kind of side Newcastle are going to put out. Given the way their season's going, they might want to give their players a break or they might think, well, this is a chance for you to get a win under your belt against a pretty green Tigers side. So there's kind of options either way for them. So without really knowing what direction this team's going in, I don't think we should bother with a prediction this time around. No, the only thing I would like to add is it is on TV, I believe. So uh, that's a TV game, so to, to check that out. And also, if Carl Ferns does play and you're a young lad, you'll probably get a lifetime contract if you hose him <laughs> into uh, hose him off the field. And Mains, I'm looking at you to do the job. Absolutely send him flying. Is that who you're backing for it? It's the biggest one. It's the biggest one. I think having no, seen he's going to run into Hoyt and he's going to just kind of be like in a cartoon. You know, when somebody runs into like a window and then they slide down it. Uh, that's what I think is going to happen. Finish him. Finish him. Yeah, exactly. I'm quite excited about that. Then I heard a rumour that the last time we played Tigers that there was a, a whip round in the changing room. So who can put the first shot on Carl Ferns? And Montoya won it straight off the kickoff. <laughs> I don't know, like, he was thinking of himself. It was like, I, I mean, I'm assuming he's quite well paid. I don't think he needed the spare change, but he didn't need a second invitation to go for Fernsey. So that's going to be quite interesting. Great opportunity for the young guys. Look forward to watching them. Well, that brings us to the end of this disorganised mess of a podcast. Sorry, it's been so last minute. I'm sure like a lot of you people who work either in an office or actually do anything which involves a lot of admin, sometimes you wonder, is it even worth going on holiday because you spend the entire weekend, as I just have, and then the entire few days trying to get yourself in a position so that you're clear to go on holiday. And I was thinking this as I did this, I was firing out email after email to get the ball into other people's cores. All I'm doing is building a rod for my own back for when I get back, because in the two and a half weeks I'm away, they're all going to respond, and I'm going to come back to an absolute mountain. So I don't know what I've done, to be honest, Elliot. I think, I think I've think i just made things worse. Just do what everyone does. Or it's certainly an old colleague of mine once did, is when they came back, highlighted all and deleted it. Straight, <laughs> literally just went, if it's important. Their philosophy was, if it's important, they'll come back to me in the first week. If not, it wasn't that important. Uh, it's not an attitude I have personally. I, that, that's a risky uh, game. If an employer is listening of mine, it is something I will not be doing. But 
interesting anyway but so next week uh, i'm going to be uh in australia we're going to try and do this cross hemispheres i will hopefully be there we are going to try and get a backup option probably an upgrade if we're being honest on me just in case i can't make it uh we're not going to reveal any names yet because we haven't got anyone committed but hopefully we've got some interesting guests coming up in the coming weeks as well so that's something to look forward to but apart from that elliot do you have anything to add no not at all apart from uh safe travels i hope um the, uh, the the 24-hour trip with a two-year-old uh, goes well. You took some tips off Sam Harrison, so uh, he's already given you uh, do's and don'ts of what to do. But safe travels and... Yeah, uh, subtly you drug your children. Subtly drug them. That's the... That was, he emphasised subtly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, brilliant. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. As always, please rate uh, and subscribe. If you get a moment, leave a review. That would be grand. Otherwise... Have a lovely week. Stay safe, everybody.